child. And um, that that is um, that is an issue. And I understand that parents can be very overwhelmed and life's difficult, but that's not the messaging to send your child, um, if at all possible, because that will be taken on board. I remember when I was a kid, it, a similar thing. My mum said to me, I was about eight, and my mum said to me, um, you know, I don't like small children. I only like teenagers. And in my mind, I was horrified and I thought, oh, no, I have to become a teenager or my mum won't like me. Now, that was a throwaway comment from my mum, I'm sure. I'm sure she did not mean to upset me or to stress me out, but actually that throwaway comment really was not good for me. So it's really important to be aware of the messaging you're sending. I love that because so many times, like you said, it's so easy for us as adults just to say those negative things and not realize the impact. Even for me as a teacher, um, before before Daniel, I had to realize this is what I'm saying, and it's important for me to realize the, import- the importance of words. Um, yeah. Put a lot of value on words, and I, I don't like to put too much value because I, the word nonverbal kind of comes in because you have to you have all those nonverbal things in this world that are just as important as, as speaking. Um, but when you speak, it's so important to know the value that you're putting forth and the words that you're saying, to, especially to children, because they're gonna take that. There's still things that I've, I've realized that people have said to me in my past, um, yeah. why are you so different and why are you this and that, that still stem from me as an adult. So, I mean, those, those are just, those are key elements of our life that we must be, you know, to be conscious of and know that you know what you say to someone especially a child it's very influential every day but uh there's one thing that i wanted to talk about in your book i just wanted to kind of joke with it um because i was thinking about getting a a dog or cat for daniel um but we are both very strong and we're very rough (laughs) and thinking about i don't know if we talked about this last night but it's the part in the book and it was jenny's story and um, he loved animals, he loved stuffed animals and different things, but um, Jenny's story was kind of just saying that, you know, she was, she loved um, the cat, but um, the mom, like the mom was just saying that, okay, what if, you know, what if you are a giant, think about yourself as a giant, would you want, you know, there's some giant coming at you all the time and, squ- and giving you cuddles all the time, and was something I was thinking about with Daniel, because they're both so strong and just so you can say and I was even thinking about just just now when we said the wording that we said you know at first she thought that was funny but then Jenny you know what that's a true statement I wouldn't want a big giant coming around me all the time getting cuddles it made them think okay I need to stop being so rough with my animals yeah Uh, I don't even like you to talk on just animals and why animals can be um important to a child's because I know you had you had a cat and talked for you while as well but um, I know you, um, yeah, I would love you to talk about this, um, those important aspects of this pets as well, why they can be important for children on the spectrum. So most autistic people, and not all, but most, respond well to animals. Some, and for children, having a pet can make the difference between them having poor mental health and good mental health. Um, for me, cats are my thing. I've always had cats. I don't have one at the moment because poor old Mr. Kitty passed away last February, which is very sad. Um, but I will get another one. Um, 
and for me, having a cat is is just essential. Um, I, I call them my little black kitty therapists because um, yes. that's what they are. They are. Uh, for children, it can make all the difference. That being said, it's not for everyone. My mum is autistic and she has no connection with animals whatsoever. She doesn't want cats or dogs or anything like that. And I know other autistic people who are not closely bonded with animals. But in my experience, and I have met thousands of autistic people over the years that I've been an advocate and almost all of them have responded really well to animals. You can get assistance animals like often dogs, but sometimes cats and those. In Australia, we have a thing where you can actually train your assistance animal yourself, um, which saves a lot of money because it can be quite expensive getting them trained um, externally. But I, I think if a child responds well to animals it's a, a really generally a really good thing to get one uh because it can make a big difference it doesn't fix everything but it can make a big difference when I got Mr Kitty that was in 2013 and I'd been really unwell with my mental illness and I was just coming out of that and I got Mr Kitty and I didn't go back to hospital for another mm, seven years eight six years um, and he was largely responsible for that, to my mind. So animals can make a big difference. Um, I think, um, yeah, I think they're really important for, for so many of us. I would totally agree. I actually got a chance with my uh, younger age to train dogs with father, and that gave me some normalcy um, growing up as well. And just, it is, it's a big difference to have a pet and to have a pet, especially when they have a pet that you can kind of interact with or just feel a connection with as well. But um, yeah, just I think about that with children and just how seeing children kind of connect with different cats to just have that have that experience to, you know, I can kind of monitor myself, I can monitor um, the consistency of the routine. So um, I love how the thought of that, even in the book, you kind of mentioned um, just to have a consistent routine. Um, with that pet to be able to wake up because you said at first it can be challenging because any part of when you mess with a child or your routine it can be overwhelmingly challenging but it can be like you said worth it for some that have a connection with a pet um, but to to start that routine slowly and gradually and to give that child some sense of um, normalcy as well as some de um, dependency to start to be more independent, excuse me, for themselves. So that's always a great thing to see. I look forward to that with Daniel as well, just to be, to see him become more independent, um, maybe with a pet or just moving forward in life. But uh, it's so many questions I could throw at you now, but I know we talked about celebrations and his life, different types of work. Um, I want to speak a little bit more about you and your mom's relationship, because I know just having a strong parent around and having someone who kind of understands what you're going through. Um, uh, why don't you just talk about her just a little bit more, um, just because I know we kind of shared a moment last night um, that kind of spoke about something that touched my heart when we talked about your mom. So if you would want to just mention her a little bit more. Yeah. So, so my mom, I mean, my mom is 70, well, what is she, 74 nearly now, and she grew up in a world where there was no autism diagnosis um, or no knowledge of anything about neurodiversity or anything like that. 
and she had me she had my brother and she had me and I was a problem child um I was very smart but very troubled and quite anxious and I didn't really engage with school very much in primary school and got into lots of trouble and things like that and then when I was a young adult I got into loads of trouble I joined the international socialists and through them I met a guy who was a scary criminal got involved in drugs and crime and all of those things and so my mum had this child who was super intelligent but just totally broken and in a really bad place and you know she stuck by me and she visited me and my dad too visited me in prison was always there for me and that's the reason I'm still here so my mum is a pretty remarkable person. Mm-hmm. She's very, um, she's she's very, um, she doesn't want attention. She doesn't want anything like that. All she wants is just to live her life and, you know, be quiet and left alone and stuff like that. So she's not, she doesn't seek out any speaking opportunities or anything like that, even though she could, yeah. um, especially as my mum, because I've got quite a profile here. Um, but she doesn't seek that out. She just does her thing. She loves nature. She loves plants. She loves fungi. Fungi is her passionate interest as an autistic person. So she goes around the forest and looks at all the mushrooms and things like that. Um, yeah, she's amazing. And she really is. And she's, I guess she's a bit of an unsung hero because she never seeks attention or recognition or anything like that. But she's remarkable. And, you know, she enabled me to be who I am, which is I'm very grateful. And it's a blessing because it's, it's always, it, when you have a parent that can understand who you are and push you to, and I know you said you had a mentor, but I know you, your mom was a good pusher for you as well for just, you know, changing. And we all go through something. We all, if, and I look at your smile again and I say the bigger the smile, the bigger the, to- the story or the bigger the testimony. And your story is, huge and it's your heart and it's just it overflows um your heart overflows and anybody who can't see your heart there you know I don't know what to say about them but your heart is just so beautiful and your spirit is beautiful you have gone through a lot of things to make you beautiful I always look at a piece of coal you know you have a diamond how that diamond became you know what it is it had to go through pressure and you have gone through pressure you've gone through like you said jail cell you've gone through a lot of things mentally you've gone through a lot of things emotionally bullying but you were still able to be resilient and it just goes back to this book I just I love the book and I love how you, you talked about the resilience of you know just going through different things and just um, talking about just um, moving those routines and even moving things being resilient in the challenges that come even through when a child is not wanting to do this or that the way that you think they should, that's always the thing with me. I think Daniel should do this. I think he should do that. But it's important to remember as a parent, as someone who's leading a caregiver, to make sure that you're not just leading your child, that you're listening to your child, that you're responding to them as a person and loving them, accepting them. The difference in just tolerating someone and accepting them. Um, we talked about that too last night. You can just tolerate anything. You can tolerate pain, but to accept yeah. something, to love it, to embrace it, that's your child. So, you know, that's a huge part of being resilient as well through the autism journey. Um, and I know you know that personally, you know, having a diagnosis and having an experience um, through that part. 
Um, I, I wanted you to say as well, I know you, you talked about it a little bit, but your mom's gift for, for Christmas to you, what was that? Oh, so a few years ago, <laughs> I was talking to my mom and I said, the thing is, in my family, in our family, I'm the only person with the diagnosis, even though probably everyone in this family is neurodivergent. So what that means is I'm always treated like a black sheep. And my mum sort of took this on board. And a few months later, I was visiting them for Christmas and she came up with a little card she'd made on Photoshop or something with a butterfly on it. And inside it said early Christmas present, I'm going to get an autism assessment. And my mum did that because she didn't want me to feel left out. She didn't want me to feel isolated from the rest of the family and she wanted to feel included. So now with this club of two, it's lovely. And, and my mum knows the autism advocates where she lives. So whenever I go and visit her, I catch up with the autism advocates that live nearby. So it's really nice. As I say, my mum isn't an advocate in the traditional sense of the mm -hmm. word, but she is. Um, and that kind of thing just demonstrates, you know, I mean, she's so full of love. It's, um, it's a lovely thing. Um, I, I wish everyone had a parent, you know, that was so full of love like that because she's just exemplary. I hope she I watches. <laughs> no. yeah. Right, we got to let her watch this because she, I, I haven't met your mom, but I, I already love her as well. It's like, I love you. Um, because this is, you have a, a genuine spirit. And for her to step outside her comfort zone and that test, that was a huge thing. That's that's something that people, you know, you know, me and you, we're, we're kind of similar to the same age. And for, for someone, you know, in that 60 to 70 year range, that's something that they don't think about doing really. And to have that kind of support and to say, that, you know, to give you that for Christmas, that, that was a huge deal. That made me cry last night thinking about it. This, um, <laughs> um, it was lovely thing. How emotional that would have been um, just to, to hear that and to experience that. Um, as well. But I wanted to kind of, um, I know you don't have too much longer. I don't want to hold you too long. Again, I know this is early for you, um, especially on a Saturday. I'm so thankful we didn't do it at 6 a.m. Uh <laughs> well, it's actually 9 a.m. here. It's 8 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> on Sunday as well. So you're a day behind. Okay. Me. I'm in the future. <laughs> you're in the future, exactly. <laughs> I remember hearing on Sunday that um, China was ahead of the US and someone apparently said, oh, well, why didn't they warn us about 9-11? <laughs> it's true. They could have made a lot of predictions for us. I think they understood the concept of time zones. Right. Because I'm sure they would have warned people. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. It, it, it is. And always a strange concept for me to think about them, you know, where I'm doing one thing and in this part of the world, someone else is doing a whole nother thing, yeah. you know, yeah. getting ready. I'm thinking about dinner and you're thinking about breakfast and you're thinking about, you know, just getting up for another part of the day. Um, for me tomorrow, I'll be thinking about Sunday. So that's kind of, it is always an embracing point to think about that as well. And, um, and you're in winter and we're in summer. We're, right. <laughs> yeah, it's quite warm. But oh, and one thing I did want us to, to talk about before um, we kind of end to was just 
I know we kind of touched on the points of just the self-acceptance, um, the assumptions that come out of the rocks and just those social aspects, but um, self-acceptance, that's one of the, the biggest points. I'm learning how to self-accept myself even now um, as an adult. So I know um, just the self-acceptance for you, how do you, um, how did you, how were you able to kind of come about with that self-acceptance part of yourself? It was a really long journey. So <laughs> when I was diagnosed as autistic, I was in jail and my parents sought the diagnosis because my mum had met somebody, this was in 1994, and my mum had met somebody whose son had been diagnosed with Asperger's and she said, what's that? And they explained, they said, oh, okay, that um, sounds a bit like, yeah. And so she sent a psychologist to come and assess me and I did the assessment. But to my mind, I didn't accept it because I didn't think it was, I didn't think it was right. I thought it was my parents making excuses for my poor behaviour. Mm. I also thought it validated what the bullies had said to me at school or the, the rude things they'd said. And also deep down, I knew it was right, but I didn't want to accept it because I didn't yeah. accept myself. I didn't like myself. Yeah. In fact, if I met other people on the autism spectrum, I'd be really hostile towards them because I'd see myself in them and I didn't like myself. So in 2001, um, when I was what 26, 27, I, finally thought hang on that autism thing might be right and so I did yeah. some research I watched some videos I read some books and I thought yeah that's right I didn't like it I wasn't happy about it I was more comfortable telling people I've been in prison than telling people I was autistic so it took a few more years before I accepted myself as an autistic person and that was when I wrote the book. And of course I got thrust into the, the, the spotlight of autism advocacy and you know, all of those things. And so suddenly I had to sort of change my attitudes. Um, so it really was quite a, quite a journey. And I found I finally really, I guess, embraced it in 2009. So that was 15 years after I'd been diagnosed. And then I was at a conference for women and girls on the spectrum and I was speaking and I was in a room full of women and girls on the spectrum and I thought, hang on, this is me. And it was at that point, so 15 years. And my schizophrenia diagnosis also took 15 years to accept. So when people say to me, oh, you know, you're all out loud and proud autistic, um, I'm not, I don't accept the diagnosis, I'm uncomfortable with it, I say, well, welcome to the club. And it does happen. Usually when adults and kids as well get the diagnosis, they often embrace it. It's like, oh, this is me. I'm proud of who I am, all of that. But that's not everyone's path. And it wasn't my path. And now I'm very out loud and proud, but I wasn't. I really wasn't. Uh, the only part of me that I've embraced quickly is my gender identity, <laughs> all my diagnoses and labels and things like that. I've really struggled to connect with and really struggled to accept. Mm. Um, so yeah, it can happen. Um, well, of course, because it did for me. I understand. And even with, with any label, I think it's funny when we have a label, like I have a label, I can label myself as a queen or African-American. And I can put that on myself, but if someone, I know, when I, my mom, even as a child, um, got me tested originally, I never was for autism, but originally was tested and diagnosed with ADHD. That was a hard label for me to understand, uh, even as a child. 
Um, but, you know, just the labels that we may have. And even for me, I think that acceptance part um, came again with Daniel, because I didn't, as a teacher, I didn't, I didn't want him to have autism. That wasn't something that I was going to tell. But at the same time, you can't, you know, just, it's like any visit to the doctor or checkup. You can't, you know, you can't know how to treat something if you don't know what's the issue. If I have a cold compared to the flu or even now COVID, how do I know what's the best ingredient to help with that if I don't know how to treat it or what to diagnose it? So some labels are necessary. I don't like all labels, um, but some labels are necessary. And even if they're necessary, they are still hard to accept. And, you know, that one for me with my son, even myself, um, are still very difficult in moments of just trying to understand those times and understand those, you know, those issues. But I truly admire you and just how you were able to put forth your story and your stories and how they are unfolding and connection with you. Because every, you know, we talk about autistic people having, being a puzzle piece, but I believe all individuals are a puzzle. You just have to figure out what pieces best fit into our puzzle and make those, make those best for ourselves. But I don't want to hold you too long. I wouldn't want to give uh, a few seconds to the group just to see if they had any questions for you um, as well. Give me just a moment. My technology is sometimes funny. But any questions from anyone who's watching right now? I know this is a little bit of a delay. I see Shaka's uh, on. I see Kier. Thank you, Kier. I <laughs> love you. Um, is anyone else? I can't tell who else is watching out there. Anyone have any questions? Bring in before she before they leave today. And again, did you have anything that you wanted to kind of express before we kind of wrap up today as well? Because I just I am just thrilled to have had you today, have you all here today, just to speak and just learn, just kind of grasp those two information, the gems that you have dropped today <laughs> just have been inspirational from your book, the resilience part of that. I hope that um, whoever's watching this gets a chance to check out all of your books, but this one was the one for me that just made me just fall in love with you as an author, um, just because it resonated so much with me with Daniel right now, because you have so many different tips and different, different types of advice in there for parents and just uh, anyone, any caregiver that might have a child on the spectrum. So uh, before we wrap up, did you have anything that you wanted to kind of go over or talk about? Before we... I'm just plugged a couple of my things. There's my website, which is www.yemperkis.com, Y-E-N-N-P-U-R-K-I-S. And there are two other books that might be of particular relevance to parents. There's a resilience book, parents of preteens and teenagers which looks like the one in the background there um, but is dark blue and there's also one for kids and the age group is around 10 to 14 but it's a bit flexible depending on your child and it's called the awesome autistic go-to guide and that both of those are available on amazon or on most online booksellers um, and yeah, so that, that's me. And thank you very much for tuning in. It's really nice talking. Um, and thank you for having me. We appreciate you all for just being here today. This was a blessing to me. 
And again, for you just to take that time just to spend with my little small group, we are very thrilled to have you here today. And again, anyone who's tuning in, I hope this blessed you in some way. And again, please go to her site, um, Yin's site today, and just kind of look over and kind of see what can fit you where you are, because there they are so many different gems and tips that, that um, they have there in their site that can really benefit you. And thank you all for joining us today. Hope this bless you. Bye.